can relate to that, huh? What are the mountains in your life that have departed? You know, my, my vertical jump has been, it's departed. Uh, my quick first step, which was my only advantage, it's departed. Um, uh, parts of my memory have departed. You know, things are regularly changing and uh, usually changing in ways that can be challenging. And at some point can lead to points of real despair. I mean, what is it that we place our faith in? What is it that we hope? That we truly have a hope in? A hope that is in something that is secure. Because push comes to shove, the amount of faith you have really doesn't matter. The amount of hope you have doesn't matter. I mean, if you hope, if you hope gasoline will cost 50 cents tomorrow, you can have all the hope and faith in the world that you want. And that's a pretty weak object of your hope. What we gather for every time we gather on a Sunday is to remember what is the object of our hope. In a a world where change is happening and things we thought we could depend on are pulled out from under us left and right, what is the object of our hope that we know is secure? And uh, Peter, in the, as he's teaching the, the church uh, in exile, all the, the churches in different countries around him where, where they are persecuted and oppressed, he's reminding them, hey, this is your living hope. A hope that will never die and a hope that will never change. It is based in the very character of Jesus Let's dive into that today as we will be reminded from God's word. This is the essence of our hope that we know is secure no matter what. No matter even if the the mountains depart and crumble. This is the object of our hope. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks again for your written word. Thank you for your spirit who is alive and, and speaking to us in this moment. Uh, Give us ears to hear from you and and to apply in our lives. And and Lord, would you speak to even the the depth of our soul uh, so that we would not only know in our head, but we would experience uh, in our heart um, your kindness, your grace, and the security that you bring. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our passage, First uh, Peter, um, starting with verse 13, and we'll read through the third verse of chapter 2. You can follow along on the screen or in your, your pew Bible, it's on page 1014, or whatever other form of the scriptures you have. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout this time of your exile, knowing 
that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that we preach to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up. What we know, we can, we can hang our lives on the return of Jesus and the grace we will receive when we see Him face to face. We will experience the fullness of Jesus' sacrificial love for us. We we, we face it every once in a while. We'll we'll experience, we'll taste a, a little bit of that. But on that day, we will be overblown with the unmerited favor of God's love. Something that we did not deserve, that we did not earn. Matter of fact, we deserve just the opposite. What you have done, what you have thought, what you've left undone. And yet Peter says that is the essence of our hope. Now, Peter ought to know it. If you know Peter, you know his story. He has experienced a taste of this in real life. Of the the literal face-to-face embrace of the unmerited favor, the unconditional love of Jesus. Because if you remember Peter's story, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, at his weakest moment, Peter denied knowing him face to face. Three times he did it. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. And he was then distraught you know, in his guilt and shame. And then Jesus, in his return, he made it a point to have a morning breakfast meeting with Peter on the seashore as Peter's out back fishing again, figuring he's lost and gone. And he can, can you imagine Peter with that reunion, the shame or, or the, the worry that he would have felt? And yet he meets Jesus and Jesus forgives him three times. Not, not only forgives him, but then says, now, you, you, you go on out there. You've got responsibility. You've got things that you are to go and do. Go feed my sheep. So Peter knows this. When he, he's not just talking hypothetical. He has experienced the loving embrace of Jesus face to face. And that's what he wants us to know. That this is what we can hang our hat on, that we can base our very life on. In the midst of our fear, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of, of our own guilt, of our own shame, in the midst of the disappointments that we have with ourselves, our own failures, in the midst of our own pain and loss that, that we blame ourselves for. 
A day will come that we will embrace Jesus face to face. And it will be overwhelmed with grace and love. I remember several weeks ago that Daryl was preaching. He told the story of when he was in the midst of gunfire. Um, and you remember what he said he picked, he, he, he looked at in that moment uh, to give him a sense of we can get out of this. He picked up the picture of his kids, you know, and that was his hope. That's, that's what I'm living for. You know, that's, that's how we, why we've got to make it through that all the more. A picture of Jesus is before us to give us hope no matter what the chaos we face. Um, uh, as I was thinking about this, an idea came to mind of those wonderful embraces at the reunion of a soldier who returns home. You know, just look at these pictures as they just describe just in a little bit the emotion of that embrace when we see Jesus face to face. That That's... Our living and sure hope. This is what energizes our lives every day. This is the reason to get up in the morning. That we will be united with Jesus in a joyous, joyous reunion. And, and, and it's all because of Jesus, not us. Peter's talked about that. He talked about that. In the, we talked about it last Sunday. You can content, go back and reread that or go back and watch or listen to, to that um, sermon um, again. But he, he, he will keep talking about that over and over. He will come back to this. This is because of the blood of Jesus. This is because of the faithfulness of Jesus. This is because of the character of Jesus. It is not because of your character. It is not because of your obedience. It is not because you're good enough. You're not. But Jesus is. And he has accomplished this once and for all. And if, and if you're here or you're watching, you're engaging with this and you're like, I do not know that security. I do not know that Jesus truly has cleansed me and made me one with God and that I can look forward to that day with certainty. If, if you have not said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to cleanse me. I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. You're tired of fighting the shame. Then I invite you to come to him today. At the conclusion of the service, we'll have a time with, with prayer where you can meet with folks to pray with them. And they'll gladly pray for you and with you to, to, and, and share with you that, no, this is what you can know. This hope can be yours. It, it, just, just, you just need a little bit of hope. Because the point is not the amount of hope you have. It's the object of your hope. And the folks that are praying with you can share with you. This is how I've experienced this sense of, of hope. If, or if you're, you're exploring it and want to think about it more, I invite you to come to Alpha. We just started yesterday. I've got a great group of about 15 of us, and we're, we're exploring what it means to, to follow Jesus and asking questions um, uh, about that. And it, it's open. It is open for anyone and everyone uh, to come and ask whatever question you want. And so I invite you to participate with you. But I want you to know, you can have the certainty of this hope today and forever because of Jesus. Now, Peter goes on. He goes on here. If because you have this security in Jesus, because he is your living hope, and to anyone who says Christ is my Savior and Lord, he, then he gives us 
clear directives. Now, now he, he says, again, in this same in this first verse, he says, now direct your every action in obedience to Jesus. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, see, see, we know that we're setting our hope on Jesus because Jesus knows what's best. He knows what's good. He knows what life is. So now we need to set our mind for action to obey Him in every way. I love this particular phrase. It's an interesting one because it, it actually literally, and maybe if you go back to the old King James, I didn't look it up. It would say this. Set the, it's gird the loins of your mind. Which they translate here, set your mind to action. Girding your loins. Now what that meant was, well, you know, in, uh, in those days, you know, people wore robes. Yeah, and everybody wore robe. And in order to, uh, engage in activity, like an, uh, if you're a, a soldier, right, you gotta gird your loins, you gotta pick up the robe, right, and gird it, this is your loins, and you gird it by dressing it up there so that then you have freedom of movement. Now somebody along the way got a great idea and invited shorts. Uh, invented shorts and that solved that. But this, that's what they, but if you were going to go into battle, if you're going to participate in athletic event, you had to gird your loins and get them ready for action. And he's saying now, gird the loins of your mind. Be sober minded. Be, be a, a person of self control. Uh, what, if I were to phrase that, I'd say, lead yourself. To do what Jesus calls us to do. Don't do what you want or don't do what you don't want. Both of those are idols. We can say, oh, I just don't ever do what I want. Well, what if what you want is what Jesus wants? The goal is to do what Jesus wants you to do. So be sober, lead yourself, gird your minds for action. Know, familiarize yourself with the words of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the character of Jesus, because that's who we are, because that's who our hope is in. And if our hope is in Him, it's because we believe He is life and life to the full. So we're fools if we don't gird ourselves up for action according to the ways of Jesus. And Paul, Paul goes on, verse 14 and 15, and says, Now, you recognize that the values and commandments of Jesus are now to be our values and commandments. Now, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. I want you to notice all the alls and all the encompassing language that, that it, Paul, Peter is using here. He says, now, now you are, are to be holy like I am. And we talked about this last week. Holy is to be set apart for a different purpose. He, he wants us to, to recognize that the values of our families, of our communities, of our own mind are not the values of God. They do not equate. Again, there may be some overlap, but there are other ways that they are not. And, and Peter is saying, be sober-minded. Be, be thinking, be critical of everything you watch and you see and you hear because the ways of the world are not the ways of Jesus. Don't, don't think that your family's values, your nation's values, your community's values, your, the values of your own head are in alignment with God. Do not assume that. Do the work 
of, of recognizing Jesus and, crit, and critically reviewing all of the other influences in your life. Are they in line with Jesus or not? Because ultimately, he says, in verse 17 uh, through 19, our journey ends, the journey of this life ends at the glorious judgment of God. Uh, Look look again at verse 17 uh, through 19. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Three great verses right there. Man, they encompass a whole lot. Because on the one hand, wait a minute, the judgment of God and the fear of God combine with the precious blood of Jesus that is imperishable. How do those things work? Wait a minute, you were just saying the embrace of Jesus and that grace and mercy. Well, how does that work with judgment and, and to live in fear? Glad you asked. Great question. The key word there is exile. Back in verse 17, it says, fear of God while you're on this exile journey. An exile are people who are living in a land that's not their home. They're living in a, in a land that is not in accordance with their homeland. Where our homeland is with God. And that homeland is um, uh, with, with Him and not uh, according to the values and customs of our world. Ultimately, with, with God. And, and so, there is to be uh, a clear submission and respect and honoring of the ways of God. And so again, back to being that sober-minded, girding the loins of our mind, you know, being, uh, being prepared for, for action, we do so recognizing that this world will try to influence us, the evil one, and our own sinful desires will influence us away from God. So that fear is that appropriate respect and submission to the ways of God as we seek, seek to, to live in the fullness of our hope. Now again, just as he said in that passage, it's great. The the grace of Jesus welcomes us. It it will welcome us and we are secure in him. But everything will be judged by God. And at that judgment, what is not of God is destroyed. And what is of God is celebrated for eternity. And you've heard me say this a number of times. The things that we do that are in alignment with the kingdom of God, empowered by the Spirit of God in us, they go on for all eternity. That's why our lives have meaning. It's part of the the eternal beauty of God bringing together His people to do what is of love, what is of justice, what is of righteousness, what is of purity and peace. Those uh, things, they go forward because of God's work in and through us. So that keep that phrase before us. Because that's what makes the judgment of God glorious. Be destroyed, don't we? We don't want anything that's evil to to be, and nothing will be, evil in the the pure presence of God when we see Jesus face to face. Even the evil that we did, and we think, is destroyed. 
But what is of God is celebrated for eternity. Now, this notion then of, of being sober-minded, this notion of, of living in total submission and awe to God, knowing that He is the one that is true and what is eternal, is a great corrective to the ways that we can so easily fool ourselves. That somehow we add something to our salvation, or somehow we're better than others before God. You know, it's just a great way. Um, it, it, uh, uh, sociologists uh, call this the actor... Responder bias. The actor-observer bias. And you you notice this. Um, When we're the actor in some action, we tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. If we get a promotion, it's because we worked hard. Yeah, if, if we may, if we're, if we're speeding, it's because we're in a hurry and we've got a really important thing we've got to go to. You know, I mean, because that we're the actor. But if somebody else gets a promotion and we're the observer, ah, lucky. They're, they, they just got in the right time at the right, right spot, right? I, I could have been Steve Apple if I'd had those same situations, right? I could have inv- invented, uh, Apple computers. Or when they do something wrong. Yeah, look at that person speeding. They, they, they're totally selfish. They're putting everybody at risk. And we tend to attribute others' actions neg- uh, negatively. Either the good stuff is because they're lucky, the bad stuff is because they're bad. I think that's why Jesus said to us, don't worry so much about the speck in everybody else's eye. Take first the plank in your own. And, and I think this notion that Peter's getting at here, that we know we live in appropriate submission to the recognition of God's judgment is one to, to set before us the reality of because our hope is secure. Now we can be honest, we can confess, we can pursue and critique the ways of the world around us because we're living for Jesus. At that judgment, what is not of God is destroyed and what is of God is celebrated for eternity. Again, knowing that Jesus has ransomed us. He's rescued us, is what he said in verse 18. He saved us by his, his blood. We, we have been set free from even the, 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 the guilt of our sin. We've been set free even from the power of sin in our lives. Because of the Spirit within us, we now have the power to do what is good. Before, not, we didn't have this, the spirit, we didn't even have the power to choose the way of God. Now, verses uh, 23 through 25 uh, also uh, focus again on this absolute eternal security that we have, this sure and certain hope that we have in Jesus. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh, and he quotes again from the Hebrew scriptures, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. I mean, everything else is changeable. Everything else is going to be destroyed. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to us. Again, it's according to the eternal truth, the certain truth of God's word. 
It's not a church vision statement. It's not the Declaration of Independence. It's not the Magna Carta. It's not the the Bill of Rights. It's not the essential tenets of our denomination. It's not any church doctrine statement. Not your personal vision. It's not any workplace vision or mission statement. What we know, we anchor our lives on, is the eternal truth of the Word of God. And that, we know, never changes. That, we know, is secure forever. Now, at, so at that day of judgment, there, the day of judgment, when we when return, there's no fear for folks that are in Jesus then. The, the fear is, is for us to recognize we're, leaving, we're living on the battlefield now. That we're, we're living in a world that will try, and an evil one who's existing trying to, per, the, to distract us, to get us off from following the ways of Jesus. And we're living in a battle even with ourselves, in our own lives, that, that we, in our own uh, sinfulness and, and selfishness. Um, that, that's, this is the place for that understanding, that appropriate understanding of God. But when Jesus returns and all is made right, there's no fear. That fear is gone. And because the judgment of God is good all around, we will celebrate the destruction of evil. And we will celebrate the, the furthering and completion of all that is good. That is our living hope for today. Now, I, I want us to just take a moment. Um, and and don't, don't show them, them yet, uh, Bailey. But you know, in, in, the, in the exile, we're, we're serving God uh, by... Working to obey Him. Putting aside the, all the forces and all the influences of, of the world around us. Those that would pose God. It really is like a battlefield. And, and on that day that we see Jesus face to face, it's like a soldier returning home. Now, as you look at these pictures again, I, hold, hold that one for a minute, uh, Bailey. That's a metaphorical minute. Um, as we look at these pictures, I want you to focus on the face of the civilian and imagine that's the face of Jesus. What in that face captures your imagination to be how Jesus would look when you return home from this battlefield? You can move to the next one, Bailey. What are the words that come to your mind? Now, I invite you now. You're going to have to trust me. Close your eyes. And just imagine... Imagine that you have been on the battlefield. Maybe even you can feel the the cuts and the bruises. You haven't had a sit-down meal in months. You haven't had a night's sleep with a pillow and sheets in months. Every third night, you had to stay up all night to watch guard. Every loud noise causes you to jump because you don't know if it's enemy fire. But imagine you're on the plane about to land that's in your home 
And the plane lands and stops. And the door opens. As it opens, you look down the stairs and there on the tarmac is one person. It's Jesus. You can tell by the sandals and the robe. And his face looks exactly what you think his face would look like. What's your emotion in that moment? How do you respond? Do you just sit in silence? Do you fall on your face in tears? Do you sprint towards him? Eventually, comes to you and embraces you. What does he say to you? Holy Spirit, continue to sanctify, purify our imagination. Expand it so that we experience the reality of your grace and mercy. Amen.